to tell my story. Uh, I had to laugh when Tim asked me to talk about scars because I have so many, I didn't even know where to start, and I had to laugh that clearly he knew he was calling the right person to help with this. So my story starts sitting at Mosaic Life Care, um, getting ready to register to deliver Jet. Um, and I was sitting in a chair, and I had an 11-pound baby inside of me, which I did not know at the time, and I couldn't get comfortable. And I leaned up and put my elbow uh, on the edge of the desk, and thought nothing of it. I noticed the nurse was looking at me. Uh, I thought, okay. So we got all the way through everything, and at the end went to leave, and she said, can I say something to you without you getting offended? Again, I was this big, and I thought, I wonder where she's going with this. She said, I'm concerned about that mole on your arm. Mind you, could you see that right here? If I was just in normal you know, conversation. I had sat up like this, and I said, okay. Never been to a dermatologist. Never would this have uh, been on my radar, and I thought, okay. So weeks went by, delivered that monster, uh, and I thought I better follow up on this. So I called the dermatologist, and um, he agreed. Something uh, didn't look right with that. And so we had that removed, ended up being cancer. Um, and the surgeon knew that, I think, in the back of his head, so he cut pretty deep, and I got really lucky that they got everything out, didn't have to have any further treatment. Um, but I've since had 10 more removed. So I have 11 scars um, from moles of all things. And I've had to take a proactive stance to my health care. So you will see I will never have a tan. Uh, I will have always um, made some changes, which I've also tried to be proactive um, with our kids. Um, but there's a few things that's every time I see these scars or my kids, they're so lovely to point those out uh, when they see them. But there's three things. Um, number one is to be proactive um, and take care of my physical self and listen to those that are maybe nudging me to do things. Um, I actually had to go back to this thought after I had Taylor, the um, home health nurse, came home to our house and said, I don't like the way you look. There's something about your skin color. I know what these babies are just destroying me. She said, I think you need to go back. Um, and I was like, okay, called Dallas from basketball practice. I said, I, I guess I need to listen to this nurse. It's a good thing I did. I had preeclampsia after delivery. My lungs were full of fluid and I went back in the hospital for several days and kind of developed some long-term things from that. But Dr. Drake later said to me, We've lost women to what you had. And so thankfully, I went back to that moment of that nurse telling me about that mole and thought, there's a reason somebody is going out of their way to bring these things to my attention, and I need to listen. Uh, the second is to have courage to speak up in situations where maybe it's uncomfortable. And finally, to always express gratitude and be thankful for what we have. I'm kind of like Andrea when Tim asked me, I numerous scars. You all know me. I've had several surgeries. But I picked one that um, actually brings back good memories. Um, when I was about eight or nine, we used to go to my grandfather's farm every Sunday night. And my grandpa had made a trailer to pull behind uh, the lawnmower. So my brother would drive the lawnmower and my sister and I would sit in this trailer. And us being little girls would squeal and scream, and he would get mad at us. And he would jerk the trailer. And uh, I fell forward one time. Now, you know the back of the lawnmower is perfectly flat. Didn't think anything of it. We're riding along, and my brother Lance looks back, and he goes, would you get on my ball cap? Because I had his ball hat on. And I kept saying nothing. And he's like, Tanya, you have something on my hat. And so, you know, being the wonderful sister I am, I took the hat off and threw it at him. Um, and when I did that, blood just started pouring 
down my face. I had split right above my eyebrow open when I hit the back of the lawnmower. Of course, we didn't know that at the time. It didn't hurt, but blood was everywhere. Um, Ran up to the house, and Dad was like, oh, great. I didn't put gas in the truck. So I got to go to the ambulance in the patrol car because my dad was a deputy in Wathena at the time. And at that time, you could leave your kids in the car while you run in somewhere. So Lance and Mitzi sat in the back of the patrol car while people walked by wondering what they did to get arrested. <laughs> so it, it, it never hurt. It did not cause me any pain. The worst was the stitches. But every time I look at it, I remember, you know, the fun times we had out of Grandpa's, even though I did get hurt one time. but And, and now my family will tell you, a lot of people don't even notice it, but when I get mad, it gets bright red. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that that our scars have stories? Each of our scar has a story a, attached to it. Uh, it may be the result of an accident or a blunder, a careless act uh, on your part or someone else's part. Uh, the scar may be large or it may be small. It may be faded or prominent. It may be cute and endearing or angry looking and ugly. The, the story that that is attached to your scar might might be told with a giggle and a little bit of laughter, or it might be quite painful to tell. It might represent a time in, in your life that you like to remember, as, as Tanya mentioned, when, when you look back to a time of your youth, or, or maybe it represents a very painful time in your life, and you just would just as soon forget about the, the story attached to that scar. But each scar has a story, doesn't it? They're part of who you are, part of your history, part of what makes you 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 might wish they weren't there. You might wish that the pain attached to them had never happened, happened. But their story is your story. So this morning, what I want you to do, I'm just going to ask you to do this. As as I want you, I want you to take a look at your scars. But before you start uh, uh, talking to your neighbor and pointing out your arms or your face or or your leg or pull up a piece of clothing to show something that's hidden, but before I before you do that. Uh, that's not the scars I want you to look at today. Today I want you to, ex- to examine the scars uh, that are much deeper, the scars that are below the surface, the scars that are on your soul and your, your spirit. I want you to take a look at your life and, and take a look at those scars that they're not easily seen. Those, those scars aren't on, on your skin, but they're on your soul. Those scars that maybe were left by failure, maybe left by a temptation given into, or or just a temptation gone through, maybe scars left by heartache or disappointment, betrayal or a loss. Scars that no one else sees, but when you look at your life, they're there. And they're just as real uh, as, as Bobby's scar and Andrea's scar and Tanya's scar. So today I want you to look at your scar and 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 as we do so, we're going to look, look at them through the lens of what the 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 writer in the book of James tells us what James shares with us with us. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, to the book of James. It's towards the end of the New Testament. James is a short little five chapter uh, book, easily read. We're going to be studying James over the next several weeks, and and one thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to be reading it. Uh, it doesn't take long to read it. If you read one chapter a day, which will take you about three or four minutes, 
uh, you could read this book every week in, over the next several weeks, and you're gonna uh, you're gonna find some powerful verses. I'd encourage you to do so with a a highlighter in your hand to underline the verses that speak to you, and I'll guarantee you there's going to be a lot of verses that speak to you. James, the author of this book, was Jesus' brother. He was Jesus' half-brother, but he wasn't always a follower of Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was in his years of ministry, James James and his other siblings thought Jesus had lost it. They thought he was off his rock. In fact, they went one time to collect him because they thought he was crazy, but sometime later, Probably after the resurrection, James became a believer in his brother uh, and and began to believe who he was. In fact, so much so that that he became not just a follower, but he became a leader and ended up being a leader in the church, the first church there in Jerusalem. Uh, But James was also a man who bore scars. So if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you that will read like the one I have this morning. James chapter 1, we're going to read verses 2 through 8, and then I'm going to drop down and read verse 12. This is what James says there. Now notice, we're looking at our scars in the light of what he says here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives it generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given him. But when he asks, he must not, or he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now let's drop down and read verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You can't read you can't read the book of James, particularly chapter 1. You can't you can't start reading the 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 book of James without getting stuck on verse 2. Consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials. James take James takes two ideas or two experiences that that appears to be polar opposites of each other. He takes joy. Joy is the giggle of a baby. Joy is the pride of a parent when their child succeeds. Joy is is the look. I I, I performed a wedding uh, yesterday afternoon. Joy is the look of the groom when, when he sees his bride walking down the aisle, and that happened yesterday afternoon. Joy is is Bobby being uncaged this morning. Uh, but trials, but trial trials aren't fun. They're painful. They're, they're, they're to be avoided. In fact, we, we go to great lengths to avoid them. Trials pull us down and trials beat us up. So, so, so you pick up your Bible and you, you think, I want to find a book that I can read that's short, that's easy. So you, you stumble on James and you, and, and you read the first verse, and we'll come to that a little bit later. But the first verse is kind of an introduction. So you get through that first verse and then you, you come to verse two and it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers. And, and, and probably in the back of your mind, before you read the next verses, you're, you're, you're answering that, or you're figuring out what he's going to say next. You're, you figure, surely James is going to say, consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers, because Jesus died for you. Surely he's going to say, consider it pure joy, because God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Consider it joy, because God has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, and to give you hope and a future. But instead, he says, 
Consider joy when you face trials of many kinds. This morning we're going to take a, a quick look at three, three quick truths that we see in this passage that will give us insight into joy, joyful scars. I wish the truth is, I, I wish all of them were, weren't the, the truth or reality, but, but this first one is definitely one that I wish wasn't there. But we see it in the passage. Here, here's, here's truth number one. Trials, trials will come. Trials will come. But why? Why? When I was about 12 years old, my dad bought my brother and I uh, a motorcycle. We started off with a little Harley-Davidson 50. It was a little three-speed on the, on the, on the, the grip, and it, it would top out at about 25 miles an hour. Uh, we didn't have that very long, and my dad bought us a brand-new Honda 100. Now, now, my dad bought my brother Rick, and I'm a, Rick's two and a half years older than me, he bought us this motorcycle not because we needed it, because we certainly didn't. I about killed myself on my motorcycle many times, which is why Rita won't let me ride one, and why she didn't let our boys have a motorcycle. Maybe you guys need to think about that a little bit yourself, don't you? But uh, uh, so, so he bought this motorcycle not because we needed it, not because he had the money to buy it, because Dad was trying to uh, to feed six kids and and things were tight. He didn't have the extra money to spend on this motorcycle. My dad bought that motorcycle for us for one reason. My dad had grown up uh, uh, one of the youngest of five children, and he had grown up in southern Illinois, dirt, dirt poor. I, I kid Rita that I grew up poor, but my dad grew up poor. They, they lived on a farm, and they didn't have anything. Uh, he didn't have anything. And one of the things he had always wished that he had had the money for as a child was to have a motorcycle. And so, so when his boys started growing up, that became, and Rick and I, hey, hey, we'll take a motorcycle. We loved, we loved it, but we, we weren't begging for it. It's not like we were saying, Dad, we got to have this. But, but Dad had always wanted a motorcycle, and, and so he bought us a, a motorcycle. See, it's, it's this, this idea. When he grew up, he didn't have certain things, so he wanted us to have it. Now, now I feel like I have to point this out. Uh, sometimes some of my family listens in, in, uh, uh, online, and I, I feel like I pointed out that my brother and I got a motorcycle. My sisters, my four sisters, got squat. They didn't get anything. <laughs> I guess that was up to mom to buy them a doll or something. I don't know. But, uh, but we got the motorcycle. We let them ride it occasionally, but, but we got that motorcycle. Because Dad had grown up without it. Um, now, I understand that. Because uh, when I grew up, but before I got that motorcycle, in fact, I had the motorcycle before I ever had, had this. When I grew up, I never had a bike. We had two old, old, junky girls. They, they were girls' bikes, so they didn't have the, the, the bar across the top. I mean, everyone knew they were girls, and they had little baskets on the front. We had two old bikes for all six of us kids. So if I wanted to ride the bike, I had to jump on, on what really was my sister back or Deb's bike and pedal away. Now, my cousin Benny that lived behind me, he had a 20-inch bike with a banana seat. Some of you guys, some of you guys don't know what this is, but the, uh, us older folks do. Banana seat with a sickle bar. I had some friends that had, had the big old chopper handlebars with the, uh, the, the uh, streamers that held down from the, the grips. Uh, I had friends that had three speeds and 10-speed bikes. And, hey, let's go for a bike ride. And I'd jump on this old clunker of my sister's and, yeah, let's go. And, I, man. So when my kids were growing up, they were going to have bikes. I don't know how many new bikes I bought my kid. I don't think they really cared 
if they had them or not. But, man, I didn't have a bike, and I wanted my kids to have new bikes. So so can't we see, I started to see the idea as parents, it's only natural for our kid, for, for us. If, if we struggle with something, we don't want our kids to go through that. Uh, as parents, we don't want our kids to have pain. We don't have, have them suffer. I remember when our youngest was born, Caleb was born, uh, he was premature and he was jaundiced, and we had to take him back to Old Methodist Hospital downtown, became uh, Heartland West, and now it's a parking lot, I think. But, uh, but uh, we, we had to take him back to Methodist Hospital to get his uh, bilirubin tested. And Rita was a wimp, and she wouldn't take him in to have this done. So I had to carry him in to this little room. And a lady, this nurse would come in. So some of you nurses, I don't know why you think this way. She, this nurse came in with a butcher knife in her hand, and she stabbed his foot. Well, maybe it wasn't a butcher knife, but it might as well have been because I don't Do they still do it that way? I know they took a, a, some little thing and stabbed his foot to get the blood. Now, now I would have, I would have said, take it from me. Stab me anywhere you want. I don't want to see this baby crying. See, we don't want our kids to go through difficult things. We certainly don't want them to go through pain. That's our inclination is to protect them. Uh, it's a whole other sermon, but 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 sometimes we protect our kids too much. So I'll just let that lay out there, and you figure out what maybe where that might apply to you. But but if our inclination is that it uh, and, and this passage, this passage says, consider joy when you have trials, which really is saying. Uh, uh, that you will have trials, trials will come, then it begs the question, why? Now, I forgot to put this uh, a place in your notes, so if you're t- keeping notes in your, in your insert, you might want to find a spot and write this down. This, this is going to be good. I want you to remember this uh, and write it down. In fact, I give you permission this afternoon if you want to put something on Facebook. Hey, I learned this at church today. Uh, I, give you, I give you credit. I, you have my permission to go ahead and write this. So here's the, here's the answer to that question, but why? I don't know. Now, now I take that back. I, I do a little bit. It, it's, it's partly because we, we live in a fallen world. I, I wish I could give you a better explanation than that, but, but we, we live in a fallen world, and bad things happen, and tough things happen, and difficult things happen. But see, oftentimes for us, at least in the church, what what the question really is asking, the but why question for us is what it's really coming from is this place. But why? I, I'm a believer. But why? I, I, I've given my life to Christ. But why? I'm, I'm, I'm in the church. But why? I, I, Jesus, I love you. Um, this shouldn't happen to me. This shouldn't, I shouldn't have to go through there. As a Christ follower, I should be exempt from these things, shouldn't I? But let me ask you this question. Did didn't Jesus have to suffer? Didn't Jesus suffer hardship and betrayal and death? And didn't Jesus feel literally the sting of our own sin? So, so I guess we can say, okay, that was Jesus. He had to do that. He had to go through that. So, so okay, yeah, he could go there. But how about, how about his followers? How about the 12 that they founded the church? We are a part of the church because his, his 12 apostles lived their life and started the church. We, we, our heritage goes back to them. What about them? Well, all 12 of them suffered for their faith. 11 of the 12 died because of the faith. John was the only one, and, and he was uh, sent to an island to live out his, his life alone. Well, what, what about James? Well, James, this author himself, was martyred for the sake of Jesus. 
And to put this in context, let's understand who James was writing to. So, so if you have your Bibles, let's go back and pick up verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice, notice here, I, it's just a subtle thing. James didn't say, uh, James, the brother of Jesus. I think I would have thrown that in if it had been me. You know, if, I, if my brother was the Lord, I think I'd have tossed that in. He didn't. He said, servant of, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. You know, he, you know who he was writing to when he wrote this book? He was writing to Jewish Christians, probably who had started out in Jerusalem. We, if you want to look at the background, you can go back to uh, Acts chapter 8, and it'll tell you. It's Jewish Christians who, who had to flee for their lives, uh, had, had scattered out all over the, the Greek world because they were being persecuted because they believed in Jesus. They were being persecuted because they were Christ followers. So when James wrote this, this uh, Consider Pure Joys When You Face Trials, he wasn't just tossing this out. He wasn't just throwing this idea out there. Well, it sounds good. Uh, count of joy when you have trials. He was writing to a group of people that were right in the middle of trials. But why? And, and, and then a second thought kind of comes up. Why joy? Why are you pairing these two opposites together. One, one brings a smile to your face, the other one makes us cringe. And in fact, if this passage had stopped with just verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face various trials of many kinds. If it had stopped there and then James had, had changed the paragraph and had gone a different direction, started talking about something else, it would, it would leave us hanging thinking, James, are you telling us that I'm supposed to be happy when I have a trial? Man, when my life falls apart, I'm just supposed to get all excited? Is that what you're saying? If it stopped there, we would. this is what he, he would be saying to us. I'm being tempted again. Great. I love temptation. I just lost my job. Well, let me take a knee and thank the Lord. I just lost my job. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate that. Or, or the doctor said cancer. Sweet. I get to face that trial. That is great. Or, or my teenager just made another bad choice. Let's call the neighbors, throw a party, and celebrate. If, if it stopped there, it doesn't. And we're going to look at what it says next and bring it into context. So, so don't misunderstand. We don't have joy because of the trial. It's not what he's saying here. Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials. He's not saying be joyful because you have a trial. He's saying be joyful in the trial. Be joyful in the trial. Trials will come. Here's a second truth. Trials will either defeat us or they'll define us. The trials we face will defeat us or they'll define us. James, remember, is writing to a group of people that are right in the middle of a trial. They are hurting. Their lives have been turned upside down. They're They've fled their their homes, so they're they're missing their families and their friends they that they've left behind. They they're they're missing the security and the normalcy of their old lives. And and the truth is, they're probably living in constant fear of of what might happen to them as well. You just know that some of them, if not all of them, at one time or another, had to question, why is this happening? Why 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 are we going through these trials? And, and then James sends this letter that's dispersed among all these different people, all these churches, and he says, consider pure joy 
when you face trials of many kinds. And, and so we're left with two responses, two reactions to trials. Tri- uh, one reaction is this, you can blame God. You can blame God. When we face trials, we can, we can shake a fist at God and wonder why we're going through them. Phrases like, where are you, God? Why aren't you showing up? This isn't fair, God. Why, why am I having to face this, God? I've met many people who've lost their faith or, or struggle to come to faith because of the trials they've faced. If there was a God, I wouldn't have complete the sentence. I wouldn't have lost my mother. I wouldn't have lost my job. I wouldn't have lost that friendship. I wouldn't have whatever. Now let me toss this out. Let me just throw this note in there. Uh, in, in case you're right in the middle of the trial or have been through that trial or will be through that trial, let me just toss this out. God can handle our doubts. Don't, don't ever think that you're alone if you've ever wondered, God, where are you? Don't think that you're, uh, you're an oddity. Don't, don't, don't worry about your salvation if you've ever wondered, God, I, I don't understand why I'm, I'm going through this trial. God, I, I can't. I can't even hold my head above water, much less have joy through this trial. Uh, And all we have to do is look at the one person that we should be looking at and realize that he knows what that feels like. Uh, Wanda read it earlier today, the the passage, the quote of Jesus, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Jesus himself had, had those moments like, God, where are you? Boy, if you can take this away from me, Lord, take it away from me. And, And certainly when he was facing our sin and taking on our sin, Jesus had to wonder. Uh, at first glance, it appears that James doesn't address this reality that, uh, that we sometimes blame God, but, but he does. If you have your Bibles there in James, look at verse uh, 5 again. It says there, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. For, forever I used to read this uh, chapter 1 of James, and I'd come to that verse, and I always thought, that's out of context. That is, why did he throw that verse in there? He's talking about trials, and suddenly he's talking about wisdom. Because who doesn't want to have wisdom? I'm going to sign up every time. Hey, if you want wisdom, ask God. Okay, I want wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I don't know how it was missing, but guys, it's, 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 it's tied together. What he's, doing, what he's doing there is addressing those of us that are struggling with blaming God. So, so if you lack wisdom as to figure out how you can give have joy in in a trial, ask, ask God, ask God, ask God. The wisdom he's talking about is the wisdom that we need to be able to have joy. We can, we can respond by blaming God or we can respond by believing God. We can believe that he will never leave us or forsake us. We can believe that he'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with us and we're not alone. We can believe that uh, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We can believe that he is our shelter and our refuge, our strong tower. We can believe that he will pick us up out of the mire and set our feet on solid ground. Because if you can find God in your trial, if you can believe that God can use your trial, if you can trust that God can, can be there with you, you will grow. 
Which brings us to our next thought. See, trials will come. They'll either defeat us or define us. But here's what the passage says. Trials will complete us. Look at verses 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Greek word there for for testing, uh, the testing of your faith, is the Greek word dakamazo. Dakamazo means to test or to approve. But it has this little has this little caveat. It it's it's testing or approving with with the goal of uh, to approve with the goal of approving. So so it's testing with the hope that you'll be proved correct. Uh, hold James open and go to the next book in the New Testament, First Peter. Look at a couple verses there in First Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. Peter uses this same word dakamazo. It's the, it's uh, it's translated refined in my version. First Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which which perishes, even though refined by fire, tested by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. I bet you didn't know this fun fact about me. I know how to weld. If you need something welded, um, ask Bobby or uh, someone else. You're not going to, uh, Sherman, don't, don't ask me. But I, I do know how to weld because when I was a freshman, I took an ag class. In our ag class, one of the quarters was we had to weld. We also had a small engine class. And when my mower breaks, I take it to someone else to fix. I don't remember any of that either. But, but we had a welding class. And my cousin Benny and I, we built a workbench. Um, and people built different things, but we built this workbench. Uh, Benny drew the, the short straw and he had, he's the one that had to take it home when we were done. Uh, cause this thing probably weighed about 400 pounds. It was pipe all over. I mean, it was ridiculous. But, but we, we worked on this the whole quarter. Probably should have taken us about two weeks, but it took us nine weeks to get done. At the end of that quarter, our ag teacher, Mr. Murray, came out and and tested our work. He, it, it was dakimazo. That's what he did. And this is how he did it. Mr. Murray came walking out of his office with a sledgehammer. Okay, ask your teacher uh, at, at your welding class if that's how they do it. He came walking out with a sledgehammer in his hand. I'm thinking, what did Randy do? Did he tick him off? And, but he comes out, and, and I kid you not. Now, there were some he couldn't do it. There were some projects were small. Ours was a big old workbench with pipes welded together. And he took the sledgehammer. I'm not going to do it because I'll probably drop it and hurt someone or myself. But, but he took the sledgehammer to test our weld, to make sure it held up. To, to make sure it was approved. So, so, so when he says here that, that the testing, the, the proving, approving of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance has this idea of standing under. It's the Greek word hupomone, which uh, hupe means under and, and, and mone means uh, to abide, so to ba- abide under when we're tested. Uh, and sometimes it feels like we're tested with a sledgehammer. We're able to stand up under it with God's help. And when that happens... We become mature and complete. See, when we go through trials, there is growth. And at the end, 
there's God's glory. Worship team, you can come on up. Gerald sits in, in uh, a book entitled A Grace Disguise, tells, tells about the journey that he traveled through trial. Said he was in a car accident one day and it cost him three generations. In, in one car, in one accident, he lost his mother, his wife, and his daughter. And in the process of trying to work through his grief and trying to figure out where God was through that trial, he makes these observations. He says that, that when you're trying to find sunlight, when you're trying to, trying to find hope again and look for the light, he said, 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 what you do in life, if you're trying to find sunlight, you don't, you don't chase the sun to the west. You don't head west trying to catch up to the sun. He said, if you want to find sunlight, sunlight, the quickest way to get there is to, is to march into the darkness, is to head east, to march into the darkness so you can find the rising sun of the next morning. Our trials are, are painful. And they're not easy. And we will struggle. And they will leave scars. But there will be God's glory through them. God will teach us things and we'll learn things and God will use our scars. God will use what we've gone through, what we've experienced to be a blessing to others. We're going to sing the words here in just a second. Waking up to a new sunrise. Looking back from the other side. I can see now with open eyes, dark as water and deepest pain. I wouldn't trade it for anything because my brokenness brought me to you. And these wounds are a story you'll use, so I'm thankful for the scars. Because without them, I wouldn't know your heart, and I know they'll always tell of who you are. So forever, I'm thankful for the scars. Would you stand? Enjoy through the trials. Help us find joy even though there's scars. In Jesus' name, amen.